Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda Kimball and Emma Ragsdale. Hi, Zelda. Hi, Emma. It's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. We're in 2023 now. 2023. The future. Everything feels the same. It does. Sad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Upsetting. I mean, LA's just been so cold and rainy this year. Yes, it's been a soggy year. It's been soggy. But, you know, we're getting through. And hopefully this episode will bring anybody else who is in soggy California more light. Because today we're going to be talking about a California cryptid. Woo! Bringing it back to our roots. However, this episode is a little eerier than our good old friends, the Fresno Nightcrawlers, who are very near and dear to us. Yeah, they're spooky little creeps and I love them. Spooky little boys with no arms. No arms! No arms! Spooky little boys, just pants. Just pants. That's all you need. As a little note before I get into the episode, the mountains are literally one of my favorite parts of living in California. Like, I was absolutely stunned when I saw the mountains in Malibu. They blew me away, blew my mind. This episode sucked my penis. (laughs) No, I had to blue it so it goes in three. Comedy comes in threes, Emma. Comedy comes in threes. But so this episode is kind of like my spooky little love letter to the mountains in California. If you drive north from LA along the Pacific Coast Highway, after a while, the highway will narrow into a winding, slightly precarious two-lane road as you enter a vast coastal mountain range known as the Santa Lucia Mountains. The Santa Lucia Mountains stretch out all across Central California, around 140 miles. That precarious road on PCH is part of an area known as Big Sur. There, the mountains become the coast, forming a wall of wave-beaten cliffs. While Big Sur has many state parks and hiking trails, it's so remote and unpopulated that hikers often feel like they're stepping back in time, left in awe of gorgeous nature so untouched it seems almost mystical. That being said, awe isn't the only thing visitors have felt in the mountains. Many report the feeling of being watched by something inhuman. Something dark may be lurking in the beautiful Santa Lucia Mountains. As one hiker says, They are always out at dusk and dawn. All you see is the tall, dark silhouette. They almost look like horses standing up with their hind legs with the assistance of a walking stick. It's pretty creepy, and nobody has ever seen them up close. They disappear the moment you try to get closer. These shadowy, faceless silhouettes are known as the Dark Watchers, and people have reported seeing them for generations. You think they're single? No, they all fucking. <laughs> but like, but like, could I get in on that? Like, would I find them on Hinge if I was taking a drive down the PCH? I think that you would find them attractive, but they're not coming near you. Oh, not not anything against you. You just are a human being, and they're kind of like <laughs> that's just what you know, bitch. Oh shit! <laughs> Secretly, Zelda is a dark watcher. Yeah, that's actually what Raya is for. It's not celebrities. It's for cryptids. It's cryptids. Yeah, and that's why Diplo's on there. <laughs> The most common and historical reports describe the Dark Watchers simply as shadowy humanoid figures standing motionless in the mountains on perches no human could ever reach. This simple description has stayed consistent, though recent alleged sightings claim the Dark Watchers are around 10 feet tall, adorned in a long black coat and a wide-brimmed hat, sometimes carrying a walking stick. All accounts agree that they are never seen up close and are always dead silent and faceless, more shadow than human. The watchers are most often seen through the mountain fog at dusk or dawn. 
If you try to chase after them, they'll disappear. The Dark Watchers are not aggressive and simply observe the mountains and those traveling through. But while they're not inherently dangerous, some say that if you spot them, it's best to turn back, as approaching them may cause you to vanish, never to be seen again. I do love the cape and hat combo. I, I do think too. It's very fashionable. It's a fit. Very stylish. Like, you also got your walking stick, mm -hmm. given a wizard vibe. I love a wizard vibe. I know I do. They're just spooky silent boys. Spooky silent boys, which is honestly my type. There have been hundreds of Dark Watcher sightings throughout the years, making them one of California's best-known cryptids. But where did the tales of them originate? While we know that they've been around for at least 100 years, reports do vary as to their exact origins. A lot of online sources will claim the Dark Watchers originate from Chumash legends. The Chumash are an indigenous American tribe who have lived on California's central coast and in the Channel Islands for around 13,000 years. However, don't believe everything you read online. What? You can just go on the internet and lie? I know, crazy! The Chumash did believe in skinwalkers and a few more humanoid creatures, but none of them truly fit the shadowy silent bill. There are no mentions of creatures like the Dark Watchers in actual Chumash stories. The connection was most likely created by modern-day ghost story authors. I think you know the type. White people. Yes! <laughs> they're like, oh, they're ancient, they're ancient creatures, when it's really just Reddit and like other random websites making up the lore. They're actually not related whatsoever. No, that's, I mean, kind of why we do what we do is mm -hmm. to actually tell you the truth and the real history behind some of these things. The first stories that you usually find come from Reddit and other like sources like, ooh, spookycalifornia.com. And yeah, we're going to bring up that, you know, Reddit is where we find some of these posts and mm -hmm. this tribe is where some of these stories were said to have originated. But mm -hmm. we're going to go further and do the research to show you that that's not true. Not the case. Exactly. We're getting to the source of it. Absolutely. So while their Chumash origins are absolutely fabricated, reports of the Dark Watchers may still date back hundreds of years. According to an SF Gate, which I believe is San Francisco Gate, article by editor Katie Dowd, the Dark Watchers were seen by early Spanish settlers in California nearly 300 years ago. Dowd says, and I quote, when the Spanish arrived in the 1700s, they began calling the apparitions Los Vigilantes Oscuros, literally meaning the Dark Watchers. And as Anglo-American settlers began staking claims in the region, they too felt the sensation of being watched from the hills. Los Vigilantes Oscuros? That does hit in it a hits. very specific way. Dark Watchers, super cool. Great name. Oh yeah. Obscuros. Better. Sexier. Sex, it, it brings the mm -hmm. sex factor. It brings the sex appeal. And, you know, we really do try to cater to our monster fucker audience. Mm -hmm. We do indeed. And those of you who just dabble. Keep cryptids sexy. sexy. Keep cryptids sexy. Yes. Back to Dowd's reports. I really cannot find where she actually found said reports from Spanish settlers. Wow. I know. It may be that it's the same as the Chumash origins, uh, meaning not real. <laughs> as there are literally no written reports before the 20th century. But to be fair, it's possible that oral reports have been passed down for hundreds of years. Or, on a sexier note, the original reports were destroyed by mysterious government agencies. Or the Dark Watchers themselves. <gasps> what we do know is that there were at least some form of word of mouth legends in the early 20th century, with enough notoriety, at least locally, 
to influence not one, but two famous authors to memorialize the Dark Watchers into their fictional works. Robinson Jeffers, and more famously, John Steinbeck, both wrote about the Dark Watchers in the mid-1930s at almost the exact same time. Poet Robinson Jeffers, he was the first to provide a long-lasting written report about the Dark Watchers. I say long-lasting because, you know, who knows if some stuff has been destroyed or not over time. Anything can get lost. Yeah, stories are ephemeral by nature. But Jeffers lived in Big Sur for many, many years, and in 1937, he published a poem entitled Such Counsels You Gave to Me that described the Dark Watchers. The poem follows as such. But when he approached the fall of the hill toward Howrens, he saw apparently a person on the verge, outlined against the darkening commissure of the farther hills, intently gazing into the valley. The young man's tired and dulled mind, bred in these hills, taught in the city, reverted eerily towards his dead childhood. He thought it might be one of the watchers, who are often seen on this length of the coast range. Forms that look human to human eyes, but are certainly not human. They come from behind ridges and watch. Although in the poem, the Dark Watcher turns out to be a hallucinated reflection of the young man's self-image, the character, and therefore the author, knew them to be actual entities. So, one point for oral legends. Yeah, hell yeah. At the exact same time, John Steinbeck was beginning his career as an author and living near Monterey, which is also in the Santa Lucias. Just one year after Jeffers' poem was published, Steinbeck published his 1938 book of short stories entitled The Long Valley. One short story, called Flight, has three brief mentions of the Dark Watchers. Flight tells the tale of Pepe, a teenage boy who kills a man during a moment of thoughtless drunkenness. As murder was punishable by death, Pepe's mother tells him to run away into the mountains to escape the law. But before he goes, she gives him a few words of advice. When thou comest to the high mountains, if thou seest any of the dark watching men, go not near them, nor try to speak to them, and forget not thy prayers. Heeding his mother's words, Pepe flees on horseback into the fog-cloaked mountains. But as soon as he begins his ascent, he encounters one of the shadowy figures. Pepe looked suspiciously back every minute or so, and his eyes sought the tops of the ridges ahead. Once, on a white barren spur, he saw a black figure for a moment, but he quickly looked away, for it was one of the Dark Watchers. No one knew who the Dark Watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business. Pepe did turn away from the specter, but it wasn't long until he had a second encounter. Pepe looked up to the top of the next dry withered ridge. He saw a dark form against the sky, a man's figure standing on top of a rock, and he glanced away quickly to not appear curious. When a moment later he looked up again, the figure was gone. Pepe's having a rough time. Yeah, but he also, you know, killed a guy. He did kill a guy. He didn't mean to. Oh, he didn't mean he to didn't kill a guy. It's involuntary manslaughter it's just is man still manslaughter. And like, do I believe all murder is bad? No. No. 
but Pepe. 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 And also, if you saw two, what if they were, like, trying to help you? It's like, what mm-hmm. What else are you going to do? You're just going to live in these mountains, Pepe? Maybe they're a guide. Become a dark watcher. Ooh! Join us, Pepe. Yeah, maybe they're trying to recruit him. That's what I'm saying. A little fraternity? Mm. Mm. Is that what uh, frat pledges are like? Kind of see, like, spooky figures on top of hill. Maybe in your classroom. Mm-hmm. You just see, like, creepy dark figures behind, like, your classroom doors. And the hats are baseball caps. Yes. Backwards turn baseball caps. <laughs> the true horror. Frat boys. Frat boys. There are many similarities between the two authors' descriptions. While they're frightening to both characters, they're not aggressive, rather observers. Scary, but they're not going to harm you. So we do know that the authors had heard similar folklore and considered it noteworthy enough to write about. While it's likely that Jeffers and Steinbeck's works had a big influence on Tales of the Cryptids, because we don't actually know what stories they themselves heard before the 1930s, the actual impact of their created mythos on the Dark Watchers and how that shaped modern descriptions remains very unclear to us. That being said, we know for a fact that they learned of the Dark Watchers separately and were not influenced by each other. In fact, Steinbeck's involvement with the Dark Watcher lore both predates and postdates his life. Steinbeck's mother, Olive Hamilton, and son, Thomas Steinbeck, were avid believers in the Dark Watchers. Thomas wrote that Olive, a schoolteacher who lived in and around the Santa Lucias for much of her life, not only saw the Dark Watchers, but actually interacted with them, albeit never face to face. I mean, obviously. Obvious. That's kind of their thing. Yeah, that's like their main MO. They're like, don't, don't come near me. me. Personal space, Thanks. I need my bubble. According to Thomas, Olive was fiercely honest, and if she couldn't see it, hear it, touch, or taste it, it didn't exist. Girl after my own heart. But despite her skeptical disposition, Olive was adamant that the Dark Watchers were real. During her days as a young schoolteacher, Olive saw the Dark Watchers many times while riding horseback through the remote woods of Big Sur as she traveled south to reach her students. She even began to leave them gifts, such as fruits and nuts in a shaded alcove. In return for her kindness, the Dark Watchers would leave her flowers. Which I think is kind of romantic. That's what I'm saying. Right? Sorry, Steinbeck, your mom fucked a Dark Watcher. She fucked a Dark Watcher. Like, they're leaving her flowers, she's giving them gifts. This is so romantic. Right? Like, maybe it's even, like, a forbidden romance. Like, they're just watching her, and, like, one of them is like, oh... It's Olive, and she's like, oh, it's that weird dark creature that follows me. They can never touch, but their love is stronger. Hot. Hot. Sexy. A one point for the monster fuckers. One point for the monster fuckers. When has your mans ever left you flowers? The Dark Watchers would. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody out there who writes fan fiction, do a little Olive Dark Watcher fan fiction. And please send it to us. We will do a dramatic reading for free. Easy. Dunzo. Olive wasn't the only person to tell Thomas about the Dark Watchers. Her claims were backed up by other credible sources in the area, such as Billy Post, who's often called the last cowboy, which I- So hot. And also descendants of Elser Grande ranchers and more. Later in his life, Thomas told his friend, landscape painter Benjamin Broad, stories of the Dark Watchers. His tales were so compelling that Broad set off to Big Sur to see if he could actually capture the Dark Watchers on canvas. He was so convinced that he actually pulled an olive and brought offerings for the Watchers and left most of his equipment behind, fearing that too much gear or electronics could frighten them. 
Steinbeck and Broad even ended up publishing a book of paintings, sketches, and field notes in 2013, entitled In Search of the Dark Watchers. So he was convinced. He was like, yes. He even did some paintings of them. Well, no, he didn't, because he didn't see them. He didn't see them? No. Well, I mean, that's what it is. If you don't want to see them, they're like, hello. But if you're like, I would like to see the Dark Watchers, they're like, no, no. No, thank you. No, thanks. So, yeah, he never saw them, but he does claim that he could feel the presence of something, and that the old-timers of Big Sur swear by it. And it would seem he's right. Monterey journalist and Big Sur native Rosalind Sharp Wall wrote in her 1989 book, A Wild Coast and Lonely, Big Sur Pioneers, that she had seen the Dark Watchers before ever being exposed to them in literature. She describes them as dark little people, seen at Mill Creek, and that they did not seem to me to be sinister. However, they were simply there. And the book mentions several others who also saw them. There have also been similar reports of shadowy humanoids in mountains from all over the world. For instance, a similar figure has been spotted in Scotland on the peak of, and I truly apologize for this pronunciation because it's hard, it's hard. So a similar figure has been spotted in Scotland on the peak of Ben Macdui. Nice. <laughs> Since 1891. And this is where the pronunciation is about to get really bad. Am fear lath more. Scottish Gaelic for big gray man has been described many times over the centuries. While the creature is similar in form, it totally dwarfs California's Dark Watcher, reaching heights of 30 feet. Now, for a classic Across the Veil segment, Emma tries to disprove things through logic and science. Woo, let me begin. So from what I've gathered from Tales of the Dark Watchers, the looming hat and cape-wearing giants who may or may not cause disappearances seem to be more of a modern interpretation, stemming from urban legends created on the internet and also probably Steinbeck, a multitude of sources all creating this. There are also two pretty compelling scientific explanations for Dark Watcher sightings. The first theory states that the Dark Watchers may be a case of pareidolia. Pareidolia is a psychological phenomenon in which an observer's brain finds patterns or significance in vague or random images. There are tons of examples of it. Rorschach tests are based upon it. Most often, the brain will also search for human faces or figures. It's the reason why we see faces on the moon or Jesus on toast, or even ghosts. Oh, because humans keep trying to make faces out of things that aren't faces. Exactly. Like, you see a weird thing in the mirror, and it's like, oh, it's a it's an old man's face. But it's like, no, it's smudges. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's a smudge. Yeah. Or it's like cars have personalities because their grills sometimes look happy, or they, they're sad, and like their mm -hmm. headlights look exactly. like Exactly. Though my car definitely is alive and has many feelings. Don't give me that look. This is an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoodle. In the case of the Dark Watchers, shadows cast by trees or obscured by fog and mist are twisted into human forms. The tall cloaked figures are often seen in the late afternoon and early morning when the setting or rising sun casts long shadows, often into fog, amplifying the frightening effect. The second theory is that the Dark Watchers are actually Brock inspectors. As I said, shadowy figures like those in Big Sur have been seen all over the world, and one of the most famous spots is in the Harz Mountains of Germany. For centuries, locals have reported seeing shadowy figures surrounded by a rainbow-colored halo on Brocken Peak, so much so that it became a muse for writers like Lewis Carroll. That being said, Brocken specters are actually quite scientific in nature. Brocken specters happen on misty days when the sun is low. If the conditions are right and the sun is behind a hiker, 
a magnified, elongated shadow will be cast upon the mist, making it seem as though a tall, shadowy figure is watching from nearby. The halo around them is a distortion caused by the sun refracting off of water droplets in the fog. These conditions happen quite often in the Harz Mountains, and are also pretty common in Big Sur, especially at dusk when the sun is setting over the Pacific Ocean and fog rolls in. So in my personal onion, as a girly who quite often sees strange humanoid shapes in the corner of her eye that disappear literally the second that she looks at them, like I had a bathrobe tucked into my window, like behind my blinds because my apartment was leaking. It's been soggy in Los It's been very soggy. But at night, it would look like there was a woman crouched in my window. And that really got to me. Yeah. It spooked me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I crouched there for a little bit. Oh, man. <laughs> but so because of that, I'm really inclined to believe that it's a trick of the mind or Brock inspectors rather than a race of shadowy cryptids that inhabit mountains across California and possibly the world. Like, I love the idea that maybe they're like yetis and there are different forms or like types of them that exist throughout the world like where you are changes what it looks like but like it's sus that they're only seen when it's foggiest and conditions aren't very clear but hey with all of the sightings throughout the years and with the consistent descriptions maybe there is something hiding in the mountains you'll just have to find out for yourself take a hike take a hike take a hike get out of here I love that. That was very spooky. Thank you. And I think maybe they're fog creatures. I like that. I like that a lot. Maybe all of the things we know about them are false and they're just foggy boys. Yeah, maybe they're like semi-aquatic. Yeah, semi-aquatic or sentient fog. Yeah. <gasps> sentient sentient fog, fog is really cool. Mm -hmm. So that's all we have for you guys today about cryptids, but I'm going to let Zelda introduce you to a new show that we're doing on Across the Veil. So you might have seen some of this artwork on our social media profiles, but starting next month, Across the Veil is going to start doing movie reviews Woo! where we get a guest and we watch a film with them and then we just talk about the movie. It's going to be a lot more casual than these Across the Veil segments. But if you have any movies you would specifically like us to watch, we're really interested in doing movies directed by women, starring women. A lot of super feminist perspectives is kind of where our niche is going to be. Like especially in horror movies. Oh yeah, no, pretty much just horror, suspense. Mm -hmm. If you know any cool cryptid movies that are not like a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, we would love to know. Yeah, and maybe we'll do a 10% week where we just kind yeah. of like do them one by one by one by one. We'll exactly. just watch the worst movies possible. Is it actually fun to watch? Because I do feel like a lot of reviewers don't like to have fun. Oh yeah, just because it's not a well-made movie doesn't mean it's not a fun movie. We're ready for a good time. And I think that is our manager telling us to get off the microphone. If you hear meows in the background, it is our manager. But for now, we're done. But well, we'll see you guys next time. Across the Fair.